right. All right. I'm going to take it as a woo. Let's do a woo-woo, okay? <laughs> they told you not to sing. It's always more fun when Uncle Bob has something to say. Don't let them silence your voice, Uncle Bob. <laughs> I have to. It's so fun. I don't, I don't live with them, though, so Jesus. God is good. I'm so glad you guys are here today, this wonderful Sunday morning when we get to celebrate Jesus every day, but especially in this season. It was funny because uh, just recently I had a little debate with one of my teenagers, and let's be real, that happens every day. So I have, have good luck trying to guess which one. But we were debating on what is more important in our Christian faith as far as holidays, Christmas or Easter? And they said Christmas. Of course they said Christmas. They want presents. And I said, you know, Resurrection Sunday, old school Pentecostal in me. We don't call it Easter. Easter is what I said, right? Because he rose again. And then they said, but if he wasn't born, he would have never had a chance to die on the cross. And, and I was like, oh. And, and then on the third day, rise again. I said, oh, look at my little debating little PK kids. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but I was thinking just how awesome it is that Jesus left the glory of heaven to clothe himself as a man, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We've been in a series called A Star Was Born, okay? And every time I, I, I just, I see the singer, but that's not the star we're talking about today. We're talking about the star, Jesus Christ. You guys might remember some of you old school, Jesus Christ Superstar. You remember that uh, musical? Okay. Jesus really is the true star, and that's what we're going to talk about. We have been in Matthew chapter 2. If you missed a couple weeks ago, I encourage you to go back online and watch it. I know that Josh, I believe, put it on YouTube. It's not on Facebook yet, but it is on YouTube if you want to go back and, and watch. I, I talked about just the spiritual warfare that we experience at Christmas, and I know that's not something we normally talk about. We talk about the joy of the season, the family gatherings, the, the, re the true reason for the season, but unfortunately, we live in a time that spiritual warfare is for real, and we need to get, we, we need to be ready, and it happened at Christmas time, too, in Matthew chapter 2, and so we went through the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 2 a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to just read a couple parts again. In Matthew chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. It is not by accident that God chose to send his son Jesus as a baby during the time of Herod the king. I believe that the contrast between the times that Herod lived in and Herod being a king compared to Jesus Christ, king of kings, lord of lords, is not by accident. It is on purpose. And in that contrast, we can really see the true meaning of Christmas. In that contrast, we can see what God desires for us, how he desires us to be shining stars, to be examples for the world. And so we're going to break that down today. And we're going to, this message is called, what kind of star do you want to be? A worldly star like Herod, the king, who desires fame and fortune and power, or a shining star like Jesus Christ? So we're going to contrast. We have a few things here that we're going to contrast the difference between these two kings. The very first thing I want to bring to you today is mansion 
or manger. Say that with me, mansion or manger. This is uh, so the, the contrast here that we can see between Herod and Jesus. Now, if you know history, Herod, um, actually, he ruled for about 32 years. He was a, very, he was a tyrant. He was, um, he was a very evil king. I told you a couple weeks ago that he actually um, killed people that he thought was coming against him that would take power from him. Matter of fact, he killed a wife one that he was so in love with and then he got jealous of and then killed her, killed a brother-in-law, killed three of his own sons. As a matter of fact, Augustus said that it's better to be a pig in Herod's household than one of his sons. Now, listen, this actually, he said this kind of as a play on words because Herod was a Jew. And so he did keep kosher and he actually would not ever kill or eat a pig. But Augustus was, was kind of playing, having a play on words saying that he, you're, you're more likely to live as a pig than as a son in Herod's house. That's how evil he was. And as a matter of fact, speaking of his house, he built himself a palace that was so magnificent. He had baths um, in this palace that still um, people who, who study archaeology, I cannot say that to say my word, engineers, let's just say that. Those guys, <laughs> they still to this day marvel at how, what a wonderful engineer this man Herod was. He had a mansion. As a matter of fact, you know, you had to go past Jerusalem where his mansion was to get to Bethlehem where Mother Mary and Joseph went because of the census to have Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? And not just born in Bethlehem. He went and the, the parents tried to find an end somewhere for him to stay and could not find a place because of the senses, it was all filled up. And so he was born. Some people want to say, you know, it was a barn. Some people say, it. some scholars say it was a cave that they kept animals. But wherever it was, it was a place that animals were kept. And there was no place to lay his head that he actually, Mary, put him in a what? A manger. Now, see, there's a difference here between the mansion and the manger. The mansion represents the worldly status. The mansion represents fame and fortune and possessions. The mansion represents, really, if you think about it, the mansion represents, in some ways, it could represent the American dream, what we desire so much, how, how we desire to climb that corporate ladder, to make more money, to, to be successful. Herod was very successful. I mean, to rule for 32 years in a political climate, we're going to get into that in a while, that he was living in. He was very successful, but yet his heart was very hard. He looked good on the outside. Jesus, as a matter of fact, would say, we clean the outside of the cup, yet inside is full of dirt, right? Like a teenager doing dishes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Clean that outside of the cup looks good, nice and shiny to everybody else, but inside all kinds of crud and disgustingness. You know you got to rinse those dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Come on, right? But this is the same is true with this whole mansion, right? Like we want to have everything look good on the outside, but inside the home, inside the mansion, he's killing his wives, he's killing his children, he's, he's got adultery and perversion and power hungry. And friends, we can look good on the outside, but God knows what's on the inside. And on the inside is what matters the most because God says in his word that he does not look at the outward appearance of a person, but he looks at 
our heart. And the mansion represents that outward appearance. As a matter of fact, have you ever heard of the term uh, Herodian? This was a culture that Herod um, actually, I mean, they named it after him. It was a culture that came in that time period because of him, because he was a, a Jew by the, the fact that he kept kosher, but he was not a Jew in the fact that he really had a heart towards the Lord. As a matter of fact, he was more Hellenistic, more Greek in his lifestyle, very worldly, very central. Some um, scholars believe that the reason he was so rich is because he came up with so, he, some kind of drug that he actually um, sold, and that's where he got his money from, and that drug was a drug um, that caused... Um, euphoria among sexual relations. I'm trying to think of the proper way to say that. When I, I was studying and when I read that, I'm like, this, I don't know if that's true or not, but that is something that, that some people speculate. However, uh, uh, people do, I mean, when you read about his death and how he died, it was very, very gruesome. And a, a lot of people say it, it could have been a sexual transmitted disease. I mean, when you, the Bible even talks about that when he died, when he eventually died, I mean, his body was eaten by worms. I mean, it was, it was quite painful and quite disgusting. But this man put himself up as a God on earth. And what we have to be careful with, friends, is sometimes in our, our pursuit of happiness, it's even right into the American fabric, our pursuit of happiness, sometimes we forget that we really need to be pursuing God, not our own happiness. Because when we pursue our own happiness, we set ourselves up like Herod. And we might look like we're keeping kosher. We might look like we're doing okay on the outside. But on the inside, our hearts are far from God. And we've got to be careful. Where the manger, on the other hand, represents humility. It represents accessibility and availability to you and I. That, that, that God left the glories of heaven and that Jesus became 100% man and 100% God. I used to tell our young adults and teenagers, I used to say, God could have came like Superman in a spaceship. He could have sent Jesus like Superman in a spaceship. I mean, he could have probably got away. They didn't have smartphones back then. He probably could have got away with that, right? But instead, he chose to have Jesus come as a vulnerable baby. For one, he was fulfilling prophecy. If you actually read Genesis, the first three chapters, we see that he was fulfilling prophecy when in the garden after Adam and Eve sinned, um, God looked at, at Eve and said it was going to be from your seed that we're going to crush Satan's head, friends. And so it had to be from the, now does a woman have a seed? Right? I mean, basic, I'm not very good at science. My dad has to come over and tutor my daughter because I'm terrible at it. But I do know a couple things. And I know that women have eggs and men have seeds. But yet, this woman, Mary, had a seed that was placed inside of her, the very DNA of God, friends. 100% God, 100% man. That is so hard for our finite minds to comprehend. But it's so important that he became man so that he could experience everything that we experience. That's why the manger is so important because the availability for all of us to be able to come and approach God is so important. So today I want to present to you, what kind of star do you want to be? Do you want to be the kind of star that has to have a mansion, that has to look good on the outside, that want people to worship you? Or do you want to be the kind of star like Jesus in a manger that, that walks in, in humility, that is available and, and makes a way for others to come to know Christ? Unfortunately, I think too many of us, honestly, become a little bit more like 
uh, Herod and Herodians. And we worship our culture more than we worship our God. And we must be careful because it's sneaky and, and it's subtle, but it's poisonous, friends. There's only one true king, and his name is Jesus. And he was born in a manger, not a man- mansion. If we want to be the kind of star that Jesus was, if we want to shine bright in a, in a dark world, then we have to be real realize that there's a contrast, there's a choice that we have to make. Do we want to be builders or do we want to be bridgers? Here at the great, he was a great builder. Um, He actually earned his name, the great, because of his buildings. I told you that engineers and and people who who study this kind of stuff still marvel at some of the feats that he accomplished at this time. As a matter of fact, Judea was very prosperous underneath his reign. And people don't realize just how... unique that is that in his reign i mean it was it they they were far from god but they were prosperous which shows us that just because you are prosperous or just because that does not mean god's blessing is on you but the church in america has said oh you're prosperous god must be blessing you but that is not what jesus taught on the mountain he did not say blessed are those who have a lot of money and so we have to be careful because so often we try to fit Jesus in this American gospel instead of the true gospel of what the Bible says. And Herod was a great builder of, uh, matter of fact, he was such a great builder that his temple that he, he um, renovated, if you will, was better, they say, some scholars, better. The manif- uh, it was so mani- magnificent that it was better than the Solomon's temple. It was that beautiful and that the splendor of Herod's temple was that awesome. That one time that the disciples were actually talking to Jesus and they said, you know, they were talking about this beautiful temple and Jesus said that, that, it, that it would be destroyed and that, that in three days his temple would be that it would rise again. And they were confused. Like, what do you mean? Like this temple is going to be destroyed, but in three days, you know, they had, they had a hard understanding, understanding what's the difference because so often we want to look at temples on this earth. We want to, we want to worship at a, a place instead of the person of Christ. And Christ was saying the temples have not been, they have not been the way to lead you to the Lord. They have not been the way to lead you to the father. This building, uh, Herod might've built this beautiful um, temple, this, this beautiful building, but it is not what's going to save you. I'm coming to build something that will, he was a builder too, if you will, but he built the body of Christ, which is you and I no longer a temple, but a, but a people. And he, and I like to say he would, he built a bridge because the cross of Christ became the bridge that allowed us to have relationship with the father so that we can then become the building, the temple of God, where the Holy Spirit and Jesus resides, friends. It's easy to want to build something that, that's just something that's materialistic on the outside, but it's hard to build something that's spiritual that lasts forever. But Jesus also taught his disciples this. He said, build your treasures up, put your treasures up in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy. Don't put your treasures here on earth where, where rust can destroy, where, where moth can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. But instead, put your treasures in heaven. That's the very first message I ever preached when I was, I believe, 20 years old. 
first message I ever preached was on that passage. And the Lord, man, the Lord actually moved. A demonized man, no lie, came and charged at me that day at the Southfield campus. He was drunk and definitely needed some deliverance. And I was a 20-year-old girl who was quite nervous, first time ever speaking. And some of the ushers slash, we have ushers slash bouncers at our South Toledo campus. And they had to escort him out. And I was ready to be done. And my pastor at the time, Pastor Keith, got up and said, go ahead and finish preaching. I was like, okay. And so I kept on going. He said, you know what? He said, you preached better after that interruption than you did before you got started. And that's to show you that you're called. Because anytime the anointing of Christ comes, the devil gets mad. But so often, man, we can't handle any kind of disrupt, disruption in our lives. Thank God Jesus handled disruption in a great way, right? Pastor Josh just preached a couple weeks ago about the woman with the issue of blood. She had a disrupt. She disrupted him. He was on his way to heal a, a, a girl of an important man. But instead, she interrupted him. He still healed that girl, and he healed her. Right? This disruption in the beginning of, of my ministry, if you will, reminded me that it's not about, I was preaching about building up treasure in heaven. It's not about what I can look like here on earth. It's about what God can do through people who are surrendered to him. And he can do it through all of us if we surrender to him and say, I'm not trying to build my own kingdom. I'm not trying to build my own temple. I don't want people to come worship me. I want to be a temple built up with Christ. I want the bridge of Christ, which is the cross of Christ, to, to be seen in me where others can, where I could be an invitation for others to come to know Christ, right? Isn't that our job? To point people to Jesus? But so often we want to act like we have the answer or the solution. We don't. He is the answer. He is the solution to everything every single one of life's problems if we would come back to him. And so do we want to be a builder like Herod who built great temples and, and great construction that looked great on the outside that, that even still today engineers marvel at? Or do we want to be like Jesus who made that bridge, that cross of Christ, who said, I'm not going to build just buildings. I'm going to build people. And he said, what I'm building is going to last forever. Because if you know history, Jesus actually prophesied to his disciples when they were asking about Herod's temple. He said, this temple is going to be destroyed. But what I'm building, though it looks like it's going to be destroyed by the outside. I mean, the devil was happy for those three days. He thought he did something. He thought he won. But on the third day, what looks like the world is going to destroy, God is really going to use for his glory. And sure enough, 70 A.D., the temple Herod built was destroyed during a, a, a civil war with, with, with Rome, and, and it was destroyed. But yet, what Jesus built, though it looked like it was destroyed on the third day, what he built, because he made a way for us to once again have a relationship with the Father, that can never be destroyed. Even if we are bound up, even if we are in jail, even when some, we see some of our brothers and sisters in other countries persecuted for Christ, losing their life, yet they are not destroyed because we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we actually focus on eternal things and not just earthly things, friends, I'm telling you, we will go to a whole nother level with what we believe, but we have to stop. And we have to make our mind up. What kind of star do you want to be? The kind that is known for being a builder on earth or a kind that builds a bridge to heaven through Christ Jesus. He is the bridge. 
So what kind of star do you want to be? Do you want to have your mansion or do you want to be that kind that has that manger? Do you want to be a builder or do you want to be a bridge? Do you want to be a self-promoter or one who self-denies? This is a contrast that we see again between Herod and Jesus. Herod the Great, like I said, he ruled for, for like 33 years. And he was, ext- he was an extreme political genius. If you actually read the history, the time period that, I mean, that was a long time. The time period that he lived and what he did. Uh, we actually, we read about other famous people during that time, like Mark Anthony and uh, Cleopatra and Octavian. And do you know that he was such a political genius? You can go back and actually study this. This is, this is true. That he actually, what he did is he sided at first with Anthony and, and Cleopatra. But when he realized, oh, they weren't going to win, he somehow switched his side to Octavian and convinced the man to believe that he was on his side. I mean, listen, he, come on, a politician, I'm going to say this, but I'm really going to do this, right? He was a survivor. He was a political genius. And as a matter of fact, the Jewish people couldn't stand him because of that. They knew that he was, his culture was Hellenistic, really Greek, really worldly, and the Romans liked him. They, they liked him, and they, they did not see him. As, as a matter of fact, he was, he was only a half, uh, half Jew, and then he was actually, the other half was uh, an idiom. Edomite, which is um, from from Esau, and he was so he they didn't like him at all because even though he did a lot of political things and he brought some prosperity, the like the Pharisees, the ones who were true to their to their religion, didn't like him because they knew that he was very worldly. But yet he knew how to keep his power. He knew what to do to promote himself. He knew what to do. To, to, that's why he, he, we read again in, in Matthew chapter 2 when, when the wise men came, he literally went to Bethlehem, sent his soldiers, and wiped out baby boys because he was willing to do anything to keep his power. He killed, he killed so many people in his, in his reign, family members and other people. He, matter of fact, when, when he knew he was dying, this is how self-promoting this man was when he knew that he was dying he knew that the jewish people would not weep for him and so he actually imprisoned some um uh jewish people uh, royal famous jewish people um in prison so that they would weep for them so there would be weeping during the time of his death i mean how messed up are you i mean this guy was seriously messed up in his mind he wanted those likes so bad what's that remind you of isn't that a generation of people, man? We want those likes, those thumbs up, those fake friends on Facebook, like so bad. We want, we want to be known. We want, we want to be successful. We want to be seen that, that we're missing out on genuine relationship. We're missing out on what it means to actually really walk in humility, that, that the lower we go, the higher he lifts us. We don't understand that. But Jesus, he was the complete opposite. He denied himself. The Bible, actually, I think that this passage in the Bible should be read all the time at Christmas. And it's not often. It is sometimes read. And it's found in Philippians chapter 2. I believe that this is a, a Christmas passage that we sometimes forget. And Paul wrote this and coined this and, I, and was inspired by God. And I believe it's just beautiful. It's chapter, uh, verse 5 through 11. I'm going to read it all to you. This is Jesus. This is the contrast of someone who 
is not about self-promotion and self-glorification, but instead about self-denial. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Well, that'll preach right there, right? <laughs> in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So in your relationship with your husband, in your relationship with your wife, in your relationship with your daughter-in-law, in your relationship with your teenage kids, Lord, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Did you all get that? In your relationship with your boss who gets on your nerves. In your relationship with that store clerk that, oh, my goodness, if I could just learn how to do like the millennials and just buy my stuff online. They're taking five. I'm waiting in line for five years. I wanted to just walk away and leave my cart there. But my daughter told me to have patience in my relationship with even strangers. In my relationship with even strangers, have the same mindset. It's Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you agree that that is a Christmas passage? He made him self nothing he was found in the appearance of man he put on the nature of a servant matter of fact the scripture says that jesus did not come to be served but to serve and he gave his life as a ransom for many he bought us back from the enemy he broke the curse he brought heaven to earth it's already here, but not all the way just yet. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Jesus made a way by denying himself. If we can have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, then we can be stars that, stars that shine in the universe. Jesus, help us. Ultimately, we create a lasting legacy through self-sacrifice and servanthood, not through self-glorification. Herod's temple was destroyed, but no one can destroy what Jesus has built. No man, no devil, no demon, no power, no principality can destroy what Jesus has built. And he built it through self-denial, through servanthood, through being obedient to death on the cross. Friends, finally, the last, that last point that I want to bring up here is what kind of star do you want to be? The kind that serves the kingdom of darkness or the kind that serves the kingdom of God? And when I was writing this, I thought, oh, the kingdom of darkness sounds a little harsh, Joy. Like, I mean, your people don't serve darkness, girl. Come on. You know, that's what I was thinking. I'm just saying. And I was like, but this is a contrast here. 
And when we serve the world, we might not realize that we're serving darkness, but we are because the enemy is the principality of this world. He is the, the prince of this world. But Jesus is the king of kings, the prince of peace. And he's destroyed what the enemy has built, but we have to join with Jesus to have that. And so we have to make up our mind to see, to have true discernment like I talked about a couple weeks ago because sometimes we don't realize that what we're doing is really from the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of God. We don't realize because it's not obvious because the enemy is sneaky and cunning. And we have to have eyes to see and ears to really hear so that we can be aware of the times that we live. Herod wasn't obvious to everybody. I mean, the Roman people loved him. <laughs> and there was a whole culture group that was named after him that liked status quo, that liked being comfortable, that liked the prosperity that he brought their nation. But Jesus was a different kind of king, not a king of this earth, but a heavenly king that wanted to bring something more than what money can buy. We, we chase after money like it's going to solve all of our problems. But why do we see superstars, famous people commit suicide? if money can solve all the problems. We need Jesus, friends. We need the kingdom of God that only Jesus can bring. What is done for God's kingdom, it has lasting value, opposed to what we do here on earth, friends. Like I said, what we do here on earth will perish. When we stand before God, we can't take our house. We can't take our cars. We can't take our titles. We can't take our degrees. All we can do is come before him as he made us. But you know, the one thing that we can bring with us to heaven is other souls. Other people could come to heaven because of how you live your life, because how you share Jesus with others. That's the one thing that we could bring. I can't bring my stuff. I can't bring my ring. I can't bring any jewels, not that I have any, but besides this ring <laughs> and a few others, right? I can't bring my greatest possession here. But I hope to God that I bring my children with me. I hope to God that, that my church comes, that neighbors come, that people I meet out and about, that, 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 I, that I can win them over, that they come. I hope that people that, that I'm discipling will also disciple other people and invite other people to come to know God and that they would bring people who will bring people who will bring people who will bring people to know Christ. That's the most important thing that we can do on Christmas and every day is bring people to Jesus. But we get so afraid, oh, it's not popular and it's not cool to be a Christian nowadays. It surely, it surely is not. But friends, if you believe it and you actually walk it out and, and live it, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect and never make a mistake because you're going to make some mistakes. But be real with it and show people that you love God and that, that he still loves you, even when you're a bonehead, even when you mess up. <laughs> Amen? Because we're all boneheads at times and we all mess up at times. But show people that God, just like he can forgive you, he can forgive them too. I want to serve the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. I want to build something that's going to last, don't you? I want to end with these two verses. Isaiah 9, 6. This is talking about Jesus. This is one of the prophetic 
prophecies in the Old Testament that talks about Jesus, and it says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hebrews 9.38 says, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, say a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eager, eager, eagerly waiting for him. He's coming back, friends, this time not as a baby, but as, a, as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's coming back, and he is waiting and, uh, for those who are waiting for him. Let's pray. You bow your eyes with me. There's a great contrast, Lord, between the kind of stardom that the world wants and the kind of stars that you want us to be. We see that contrast with Herod, the king of the Jews, and you, Jesus, the king of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace. Lord, on our own, we don't know how to be like you. We don't have the self-will. We don't have the self-control. We don't have anything that it takes. We can't do it. We can't handle life's problems. But God, with you, Jesus, and through you, we can do all things. We can shine like true stars pointing to Jesus, pointing to you, God. Lord, I pray that you would break those materialistic ideas off our mind. Even in this Christmas season, God, I know I even fall into it. Break that off our mind. Yes, it's, it's fun to give gifts and to receive gifts, but you are the true gift that matters. God, help us break the, the love of culture off of us, off young people and older people alike, where we just have to be liked and want to look good in front of other people. Break that love of culture like Herod had. And God, help us truly love you, God, and love our brothers and sisters by being like you, Jesus. God, break our pride. Want to look good. Break that off of us, Jesus. Help us humble ourselves. Help us be more like you. If you're in this place today and you want to recommit yourself to the Lord and to following his example, would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Just raise your hand before the Lord. If you're in this place today and you know that you've been struggling with um, wrong desires, maybe you look, you know that you look good on the outside, but you know inside you, you've been struggling with just the desire to, that culture has had a pull on your life more than you wanted to. You've had some worldly desires that you know you need to surrender to the Lord. Would you just raise your hand before God today? Just raise your hand before your hand before the Lord that wants me. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. 
Go ahead and stand to your feet, friends. I want to pray for you. I'm going to speak a blessing and a prayer over all of you. And if you feel like you need some extra prayer, I would be glad to pray with you. But Jesus, I just pray over my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters in this place today. Jesus, would you just help all of us become more like you? God, we want to humble ourselves in this Christmas season when we're gathered with friends and family, maybe more so than normally. Lord, would you help us find creative ways to remind people of the true star of Christ, the true reason for the season. God, would you help us reach out to those who might be lonely, who might be hurting, who might be experiencing loss in this season. And God, would you teach us to love on them? Would you teach us to, to put them and their needs before our own? God, would you help us walk in humility? Would you help us be like Jesus, the true light of the world? Would you help us shine like stars in the universe, pointing to you, Jesus? Would you break our pride? Would you break our self-gratification? Break all, off all the, all the desires of man and flesh. And God, help us become more and more like you. We bless you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We live for you. And we give you the glory with our lives. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen.